Hallelujah. Well, Nicole was scheduled to preach tonight. She was scheduled to preach tonight, and uh, her and I was sitting outside the other day, and she said, and we were just talking about the youth, and I had taught in the youth last Wednesday night, and she said, uh, Mom, why don't you teach that to the congregation? I said, Nicole, I said, it's just part of my testimony linked with my reunion. And I said, I just wanted to make the kids, you know, well, I won't tell you what I wanted to make the kids do. But anyway, because it kind of gives it away. But anyway, and she said, no, I think the church does it. There's a lot of new people in the church, and they don't know your testimony. She said, so I think you need to share it with them. So anyway, she conned me into it. Not really. I mean, she, taught, she said that she thought I should, and so I thought I should. And a lot of you have already heard part of my testimony, but you probably haven't heard it quite like this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so let me ask you this. Oh, and then, by the way, we need to pray for her because she got sick today at work and had to go home. So it was a God thing. So let's pray for her real quick, okay? Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, God, you see... Nicole Waters, and you see, God, she's sick to her stomach, she's dizzy, she's got headaches. Now, God, I speak to that thing. You have given us authority by the power and the name of Jesus Christ. And I speak to those headaches, I speak to that upset stomach, I speak to that sickness. In the name of Jesus, you have to go. In the name of Jesus. Now, God, we thank you for the stripes that you took on your back and you purchased Nicole Waters' healings. And God, if there's anybody else out there live streaming that is sick, God, I ask you to heal them from the very top of their head, Father, to the soles of their feet. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So anyway, how many of you, and you can raise your hands, really know who I am? Really know who I am? Not one of you. Teresa thinks she knows me. No, no, she probably knows me a lot. She really does. Well, all of you know me as Pastor Phyllis, right? All of you know me as Pastor Dosick's wife. All of you know me as Nicole's mother. All of you know me as, as Mom Mom because of my grandchildren. That's what they call me. Uh, but you don't know my background, and you don't know where I came from, and you don't know how I grew up. Now, some of you, like I said, do, but some of you don't because you're new. So, I grew up in a little town called Kermit, West Virginia. Yes, just like the frog, Kermit, okay? And there were six of us children, and our, my mom and dad, that was eight. So, we were a pretty big family. Maybe not like a Catholic family where there's 10 or 12 or 14, but we were a good-sized family. And uh, we lived... Now, I'm going to tell you my, my version of it. We lived in a holler <laughs> in West Virginia. Now, you guys would call it a hollow, but we lived in a holler in West Virginia, mountain on this side, mountain on this side. We lived right in the middle, all right? So there wasn't many people around, uh, no kids to play with. I mean, you know, that's the way it was. But anyway, my dad was a coal miner. Yes, I was a coal miner's daughter, <laughs> but I'm not singing it. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, he was a coal miner and then slash evangelist. So anytime pastors would get sick or want to go on vacation, dad would go and take over for them. So about 
to when I was about two or three years old. I don't remember it, but my dad got electrocuted in the mines. And he had his hands on a coal cart. I don't know if that's what you call it, but it was heaped with coal and had his hands on this cart. And somehow the electric, I don't know what happens, you electricians would know, but anyway, he got electrocuted. So his hands, he couldn't, like hardly move them, okay? So he had to, he had to quit his job. And back then, there was no workman's comp. There was no nothing like that. And I can remember my mother taking in washings and ironings just to give us kids lunch money. Yeah, she worked hard, hard, hard. So you can see how this would affect our finances growing up, okay? My dad didn't work. My mom didn't work. We had garden, we had a little farm, but it was not like you couldn't sell crops or nothing. It was just apples and one cow, you know? So in other words, I don't know if you've heard this term, but we were dirt chicken poor. Have you ever heard that term? Dirt chicken poor. To where you've seen chickens, they're out there, they're scratching and there's nothing there. There's no worms, there's nothing. They're just scratching away in this dirt and the dirt's flying. That's what you call it, dirt chicken poor, all right? But I didn't know I was poor until I went to school. Did not know I was poor until I went to school. Kids started making fun of my clothes and they started making fun of the way I looked. And so I'm not proud of this, but I had to wear my brother's clothes because he was next in line. There were six of us and my sister was like six, seven years older than me. So I had to wear my brother's clothes. Now, some of you that are my age or close to my age, oh God, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was in my, that was in my best brother's clothes. Because here's the thing, here's what happened. You would get the shirt like that and then you would get the corduroy pants and then they turned them up. And see, kids could pass them down and pass them down and pass them down because you could just turn them up, or if you got taller, then you push them down. But then that was on the bottom of your pants, okay? But that's the prettiest outfit I had. My brothers, most of it was guns or horses, you know, like horses with, you know, the lasso and the men on the horse and all that. So mom, on my day of getting my picture taken, she gave me the best outfit, thank the Lord, okay? Now, so... My mother made me little feed sack dresses. So out of feed sack, from where she would feed the animals. You can show that, that one too. I know you're going to anyway. <laughs> that was my little feed sack dress that my mom would make me. Yep. I like my hair curly, but it's just not like that anymore. But anyway, no. Uh, so that picture was in the flood, so it kind of, you know, it's, it's not real quality, good quality. But that was my little, and my mom is not a good seamstress, as you could tell. But that was a feed sack, and when she would get done feeding the animals, then she would wash that material and make me little dresses like that. So, now don't put the other picture up yet. <laughs> okay, so um, the kids would make fun of me because I was in my brother's clothes and because I was so skinny, okay? They would call me names. Now, the girls didn't bully me, because I, I hate to say this, but they didn't bully me because I was a hillbilly, and I'd fight. So they would not bully me, but the boys would, all right? So 
the boys would make fun of me and they would call me skinny and they would say, hey, when you take a bath tonight, make sure you keep the plug in the tub before you get out or you're going to go down the drain. Now, to now it's funny, right? But to a little child, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was, it was abuse, like, you know, verbal abuse. So anyway, then they'd say, hey, Phyllis. And I'd think somebody was going to be nice to me, you know. Hey, Phyllis. And I'd turn around and they'd say, turn sideways and stick out your tongue and you'll look like a zipper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And like I said, now it's funny. So I wanted to gain weight, okay? So I went to my neighbor's house. She was more, she, they had a little more money and they were more up and coming than we were. And so I went to my neighbor's house and she had all these books and magazines. And I said, can I borrow one of your magazines? Because in the back of it, I was at her house one time and in the back I found that you, there was, if you send off after this book, you can gain weight, okay? So I wanted to gain weight. So I asked her, I said, can I borrow your magazine? I'll bring it back within, you know, like a day or whatever. And, and her name was Fanny, and she said, sure, you can, you can borrow it. So I took it home, and I looked in the back, and in the back of it, it's, it said, how to gain weight. And I thought, oh, praise God. Well, I didn't say praise God, but, you know, because I was a kid. But I just thought, oh, this is great. So, but it said it was a quarter. I had to pay a quarter to get this book. So I thought, how in the world am I going to get a quarter? So I don't remember. I can't lie to you. I don't remember how I got the quarter, but I got it. Probably stole it on Mom's purse, but I don't remember, okay? And I sent that off, and you know what they sent me back? A letter. There was no book. They sent me back a letter, and they told me how to gain weight. You guys are going to crack up. They said, eat bananas and drink beer. They did, eat bananas and drink beer. And that was it. It was just a paper. This is how you gain weight. Eat bananas, drink beer. Well, my mom and dad didn't have money to buy bananas, and they sure wasn't going to buy me any beer. <laughs> so I knew that was a, a no-brainer. Okay, so um, there were, just probably like in your school, there was different classes in your school, different, you know, levels of people. There was the poor, there was the middle class, and there was the upper class or, or more kind of, I don't want to say wealthy because really nobody was wealthy in West Virginia. There was just nobody, not that I knew, <laughs> you know. So, and of course, you know what class I was in? I was in the poor class. All the girls, you know, that was in the middle class and the upper class, they wore the little pleated plaid skirts with the little sweaters, with the little Peter Pan collars, and I'd think, oh, I'd love to be able to dress like that, but I wasn't. So I wore my brother's clothes like you have seen. Okay, now I was never, never, ever a popular kid in school. Never. Never a cheerleader, never a majorette, never went to ball games because we didn't have any money because you had to pay to get in the ball games. We didn't have the money. And I was basically ignored in school by friends. Well, they weren't really friends. They were just classmates, you know, schoolmates by the teachers. Teachers didn't care for me because probably the way I dress, you know? The cooks didn't care for me in the, in the kitchen. The janitor, he didn't care for me. I mean, no one cared for me. I might have had one poor friend, you know? But they were poor, they were in my league. So I was never invited to any kind of parties or any kind of um, sleepovers or anything like that. Now, I was 16 years old 
And I went to the prom by myself because I never got asked to the prom by a boy. I'd never had a date, never, at, never been asked out. Now, so I went to the prom and I don't remember how much they paid for my prom dress. Probably five bucks or they probably got it at a used shop. But I don't remember. But it was, how many of you ladies know what crepe material is? Okay, well when you get crepe wet, <laughs> it shrinks, okay? I'm telling you, the devil's attacked me all my life. But you know what? I have joy. I have joy. I have peace. I have happiness. I don't care. So anyway, so we, my mom bought me this crepe dress. So I'm going, they dropped me off outside, and you had to walk from like, well, probably from here to out in the hall somewhere to the school. So it was raining. I didn't think a thing about it, you know. <clears throat> and so I'm running, you know, and my dress gets wet. So all of a sudden, I get in there, it starts shrinking. But the lining stays down here. Oh, yeah. The lining stays at the bottom, and my dress shrinks. I was so embarrassed. I had no date. Now my dress is shrunk up to here. So I go in there, and you've heard, you know, when life gives you lemons, you just make lemonade out of it. Well, you know, I think we were tougher back then. I really do than the kids are nowadays. You know, they'd have went home crying, calling their mom, Tabby, get me. No, I went in there and got the scissors and cut it off. Cut the lining off, not the dress. The dress is short enough. So I went in there, never missed a beat. Everybody was, you know, just doing their own thing. They never even paid attention to it. <laughs> but you just, you have to learn to deal with things in life like that that happen to you. You can't just wimp out and, you know, go crying home to your mom and dad. Be tough. So, I mean, you know, you guys don't need to. But this is what I was teaching the kids, okay? Now, John 10.10, 10, the Word of God says this, and I know you all know this familiar scripture, but I didn't know that the kids might be that familiar with it. But John 10.10 10 tells us that we, all of us, we have an enemy, and he is the devil, right? God calls him, not me, not you, God calls him a thief. So if God calls him a thief, God cannot lie. He's not a man that he can lie. So God calls him a thief and he says, the thief cometh not. He comes for no other reason to you or to me or to you, Regina. He comes to no other reason but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's the only reason the devil comes. So he, was, he comes to kill your self-esteem. Even now that you're older, he will try to kill your self-esteem, and especially that youth over there. While you're young, because if he can kill it while you're young, you're not going to do anything for Christ when you get older because you're going to be too shy, you're going to be ashamed, you're going to lack confidence, and you're not going to do anything. You're not going to go out and win people for Jesus because you're going to be too shy or too ashamed to do it. See, and this is what the devil knows. So he comes to kill our self-esteem. He comes to steal our joy, our joy as a child. During your childhood, he wants to make you miserable, miserable. Nowadays, suicide is rampant, rampant, because these little kids, the devil's putting things in their head and telling them, you're this, you're that, you're all these bad things, and he's putting it in their head, and, he's, and they're thinking about suicide, you know? And so he... 
also comes to destroy our happiness growing up, to make us feel inadequate, to make us feel that we're not as good as someone else. And all of us here, we, we have something wrong with us. We think we have something wrong with us. You know, maybe you think you're too skinny. Maybe you think you're too fat. Maybe you think, oh my gosh, my legs, uh, they have cellulite on them and I don't wanna wear shorts or I don't wanna wear this. You know, my legs have cellulite. My teeth are yellow or my teeth are crooked or my hair, and my hair is fuzzy tonight with all that rain, but your hair, you know, is fuzzy or maybe you have a belly. You know what? God doesn't care. God chose you out of four million people. God chose each and every one of you in here because you know how that goes, right? The four million sperm comes and he chooses one out of that. Absolutely. So listen, he loves you. He loves you just the way you are and he chose you just the way you are. He knew what you were going to be. He knew what you were going to become because he has a plan for each and every one of you. So no matter how good that we look, the devil will have us focus on that one part, <clears throat> on that one part of our body <clears throat> that we think is ugly, but nobody else sees it. Nobody else pays attention to it. They really don't, you know? So, so but John 8:44 says this, says the devil is a liar. Now, God says that, not me. I'm saying that I'm repeating him. God says he's a liar, all right? So the devil would tell me this, Phyllis, you're stupid. You're really stupid. Uh, you're dumb. You're ugly. You have no worth. You're not as good as other people. Um, so you listen. You listen to those thoughts. You listen to those lies of the devil. And you know what? You start believing them. You begin to believe everything the devil tells you. You really do. But... I graduated at 17, so I couldn't have been too dumb. I become a boss at Copeland Corporation when I was in my 20s. I couldn't have been too dumb. I traveled to Czech Republic with, with uh, Brother Shambach, praying for people all over the world. I couldn't have been too dumb. You see how the devil lies to you? I've been to Denver. I've been to New York. I've been to Indiana. All these places preaching the gospel. But the devil told me I was too dumb. Too dumb. Too stupid. So, when I was young, my, my self-esteem was in the toilet. It was in the toilet. And I never had a parent to, to tell me any different. Like, they didn't know how to praise their kids. My mom and dad and I hold nothing against them. And, but, always, if your kids do something good, praise them for it. But, yes, but my mom and dad, they never knew how to say, Honey, good job. You did a good job on your report card this, this time. I'm so proud of you. No, they didn't. So they never knew how. I knew a guy that, and the only reason I'm not telling his name is because of the live streaming, but I knew a man that worked very hard, seriously, to achieve success, to get praise from his father. He never, he, he became a multimillionaire, and he never got praise from his father. Never, ever. His dad went on, went to heaven, and he never got, hey, I'm proud of you, son. You know, we need we all need affirmation. We all need that. Uh, at one time or another in our lives, but we need it a lot. We need affirmation. So I grew up thinking, guys, I was the scum of the earth. I really did. 
And so I went to my mom at 16 because I'd never had a date. And I said, now my mom's real Southern and she talked real Southern. And I went to my mom and I said, mom, do you think I'll ever get married? She said, honey, wherever there's a skillet, there's a lid. That was all the encouragement I got. So anyway, um, I, I had a 50th reunion coming up. Now I'm tying my past and this together. Uh, I had a 50th reunion coming up, and about one week before I went to my 50th reunion, I had a dream. And I dreamed that I was in the gym back at my school, but I still didn't, you know, put it all together. I dreamed I was back in the gym, and I thought, I saw this girl sitting about three rows up, and she had short blonde hair, she was about six foot tall, and she probably weighed about 225, 250, I don't know, you know, she was a bigger girl. And uh, she was sitting there, and she was looking at me, and she was like showing her muscles to me, wanting me to see her muscles. And, and I'm thinking, in my dream, this is weird, you know? And then she was like uh, uh, just saying how good she was and all these kind of things, how strong she was. Well, the dream didn't make sense to me, but I'm thinking on my way driving to West Virginia, I'm thinking, you know what? It looked just like that girl in school that I had to deal with. Um, and I'll tell you that story that goes all in here with it. But uh, the girl in school in the library, see her last name was Webb, my last name was Williams. So they, would, they wouldn't let you sit where you wanna sit in the library in my day. You sat in alphabetical, you know, whatever your last name was, that's who you sat with. So I sat across from this girl uh, that had short blonde hair, big, big girl, uh, just like this, about 225, 250 pounds back then. She was a big girl. And so I sat across from her, never thought anything about it or nothing. Well, now I didn't tell the kids this back there because I thought it was a little too private, but I'll tell you, you're all adults. So we're in the library and we're sitting there and, you know, studying or whatever, and she just reaches across and grabs me by my chest, a pri private parts, okay? And um, I was a sinner, big sinner. <laughs> so I stood up and I took your books and I slammed them into her chest. And I said, don't you ever, ever touch me again. Do you hear me? Don't ever touch me again like that. I said, I will beat the, and I cursed. I didn't care if I got through out of school or what. I didn't care. Because dad would have said, you come home, you don't whip her, I'll whip you. Oh, that was my dad. Yeah. And, uh, and she's 225 pounds. Man, I, mean, I, I don't think I could have whipped her. <laughs> I'd have tried. But anyway, uh, so I, I uh, told her, I said, don't you ever. I'll beat the you-know-what out of you. And uh, I said, and you know what? You ever touch me again like that, I'll kill you. I will kill you. And I was like mean. I mean, I was dog mean, yeah. And she never touched me ever again. Never, ever again did that girl touch me, okay? And she sat across from me until we graduated. Now, pastor said the other day, you know what? He did that just to make you guys laugh. He said, I said, I'm saving myself for my husband. I didn't even know him, wasn't thinking about a husband. He just did that to get you guys to laugh. I never said anything like that. So, 
over the years, I forgave her, all right? And never thought another thing about it. And just treated her like all the other girls in school. Never thought a thing. So this last week, I went to, week before last, I went to my 50th reunion. And I thought it would be segregated like it had been before. The poor, the middle class, and the upper class. But you know what? When I arrived, I was so shocked, guys. Girls ran out to me hugging me, uh, uh, telling me how good it is to see you. I mean, they would never have done that in school. They're hugging, the cheerleaders, the majorettes, they're coming, oh, fellas, it's so good. And they're hugging me and just talking. And I would try to get away from some of them to go talk to somebody else, and they'd just follow me. It was like the rat with the, what do they call that? The Pied Piper? Seriously. So I had all these girls around me. And, uh, but it made me feel good. It made me feel good that I felt that it was the love of Jesus coming out of me. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. And then uh, the basketball jocks, one of them, and him and his wife sat at the table with us, and he wouldn't even speak to me in school. You know, so it was just different. It was fun. We had a great time. And then it came time for the pictures. And so they gave each one of us a flag. And they gave me a flag. And this is going to shock you because it really shocked me. I was given the flag, oh gosh, Miss Popular. Yeah, Miss Popular. And I was given a t-shirt, and this is what I said to them that was given it to me. The cheerleader was given it to me. I said, listen, I wasn't popular in school. I said, you need to give this to some of the cheerleaders or someone else. I wasn't popular in school. And they started arguing with me. Oh, yes, you were. You were the life of the party. Yeah, yeah. You were so much fun. Oh, my goodness. You had us laughing all the time. Don't you remember? Yeah. And you always had a smile on your face. Always. I never saw you without a smile. I'm thinking, what crazy water are you girls drinking? Yeah. I didn't say it, but I thought it. You know, what, or are you smoking something? You know, and I wanted to say, do you remember me in high school? But I didn't. I just shut up, took the little, the little flag. I'm so proud of my little flag. And then, but you know what, guys, that was totally God. That was God. He'll make you shine in the midst of your enemies. He will, even though they wasn't my enemies, they weren't my enemies, but he will make you shine in the midst of your enemies. And so those classmates, and this is what I want you guys to hear if you hear nothing else. Those classmates saw me different than what I saw myself. Amen. Listen, you see yourself different than what you really are. You really do. But God sees us totally different. He sees us totally different. I had one of the best times in my life at that reunion, but I still got more bad stories. Okay, well, that was a good story. But anyway, look at Gideon. I want you to just look at Gideon. See, God thinks of us different than what we think of ourselves. Because I'm telling you, those girls didn't see me the way I saw myself at all. But they really did see me that way in school. But why didn't anybody talk to me, I thought. You know, but evidently I was whatever they said. Oh, I'm coming apart. So anyway, so look uh, in Judges, you don't have to turn there, but in Judges, the sixth chapter, because I'm going to tell you the story. 
11th through the 16th, and it, it's probably longer than that. But Gideon, remember Gideon? And remember how God called him. He sent an angel down, and he called him. He said, you're a mighty man of valor. Means he's a man of war. <laughs> this guy's hiding behind the wine press, beating out wheat, because he was so scared. Because, see, Israel had sinned, and the Midianites was coming down every year and they would the minute they had their harvest ready they'd come and they'd plunder them they'd steal everything they had they'd take their crops they'd take their their flocks they'd take all of it these guys i mean they were starving starving and he was hiding he was scared they'd come down and take his wheat so he's hiding behind there you know and so god told him through the angel he said go save israel because israel had been crying out to god and that's another thing, girls, guys. When you cry out to God, I'm telling you, God hears, he answers, and he's on your side all the time, all the time, all the time. No matter what we think, like that one song, no matter what we think, no matter what we look at, he's on your side. But, so, but see, he said, he said, he wants you, I want you to go and save Israel. And Gideon said, Lord, who am I? Who am I? See, he thought nothing of himself. Who am I? I am the least, he said, in my father's house. He said, I'm the least. I am poor. See, that poor mentality. I'm telling you, it really affects people. And God said, I'll help you. And I'm telling you, each and every one of you here tonight, anything that God's called you to do, he will help you. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it by, you know, no. God will help you by yourself. God will help you. And you know that Gideon saved Israel, okay? So God is with us. He's with us. He helps us. And there's no respect of persons. If he'll do it for you, Brother Lively, he'll do it for Regina. If he'll do it for Regina, he'll do it for Trish. You know, if he'll do it for Trish, he'll do it. I mean, there's no respect of persons because he has a plan for all of your lives. Now, who would have thought? that I would ever have been able to speak here. If you would have told me that, I would have ran. I would never have married Pete, and I would have run. Never would I have married him if somebody would have said, listen, you're going to do this, this, that. No, uh-uh, but see, God just, he helps you. He helps you become what he's laid out for you to become. Now, so, now back to the reunion. I just, I'm not on a rabbit trail, but I have to do this to do this. <laughs> So now, so the devil thought, I'm going to ruin her day. I'm just going to ruin her. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. Okay, I wanted, you know, to look nice at the reunion. So before the reunion, I had went out a couple of days here in Ohio, and I bought me a pair of white jeans because we were having it at a um, shelter out in the park. So I bought me a pair of white jeans and a little white and black and yellow top. Well, I get there in the hotel, and I look out, we're supposed to go, be there at 10, uh, 11 o'clock, and it's pouring the rain, pouring the rain, chilly, chilly outside. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to wear? So I had brought another outfit with me that I was going to wear back home. It was four years old. <laughs> it was old. And so I had to wear that outfit. Not a problem, but see, the devil just wanted to aggravate me and destroy my day. So anyway, so uh, 
when they gave me the t-shirt and they gave me the, the flag, I took it and I put it, folded it, put it underneath my purse, and I took, before I got there, I took all the money out of my purse and put it under my, my uh, floor mat in my car and locked my car. And I thought, if they take the purse, you know what, they need it more than I do. But I wanted to be free to walk around and talk, but I wanted my brush and my lipstick and stuff there in my purse. So I set my purse on top of it. Well, so I got ready to leave. And uh, it's all gone. Everything's gone. It's missing. And so I said, oh my gosh, I said, my stuff, it, my t-shirt and my flag's missing. They said, oh, we'll help you look for it. There was only about 10 people left. Oh, we'll help you look for it. So we're all looking for it under tables, uh, in boxes where the caterer had brought the food and we was looking in boxes that somebody just put it in there. We couldn't find it anywhere. So this girl then that I used to share an apartment with in Columbus, Ohio, after I graduated, uh, she come up to me and she said, Phyllis, I found this in my purse. She said, I, I must have thought it was your uh, mine and I picked it up and put it in my purse. And I said, oh, okay, did you find the flag? Did you have, do you have the flag? She said, no, I don't have that, no. So I thought someone, I'm not saying her or anybody else, but I thought someone took the flag because I was the only one that got this popular. They got every, you know, other things. And they took the flag, and there was a big trash can like this that you had to push in, you know how those trash cans are. You have to push them in, and they probably just dumped it in the trash can so nobody could see it. I wish I would have checked now, but it's, you know, it's over. So anyway, so I found my T-shirt, but I was disappointed that I, I lost my flag because I'd never got anything like that in my life, okay? So I got ready to leave and all the girls were around me and we were talking, having fun and giving each other our emails and our uh, phone numbers and all this, signing books for each other. And all of a sudden, something hit me in the back of the head. And I thought it was a bug because down south you have a lot of June bugs and they're big, they're about that big. So I just went like this. Well, my fingers burnt. And I thought, what? And buddy, I really didn't started flipping it out of my hair, and it was a lit cigarette. A lit cigarette, yep. Mm -hmm. And I, the only one that I knew that was smoking was Mary Ann, the big girl with the short hair, yeah. And I was really nice, really kind. I never got upset. I never got mad. I just turned to her, and I said, Mary Ann, did you flip that cigarette in my hair? She got defensive right away. And she got real loud. No, I did not flip that in your hair. The wind must have took it and got it in your hair. And I said, there isn't any wind. And so anyway, I just, we just let it slide, okay? And the girls were like, oh my gosh, your hair smells. It's burnt, <laughs> you know? So that's that power thing. That was that dream that I had. But anyway, it gets worse. <laughs> So anyway, so I asked Jean when we got in the car, because she had went with me, because I wouldn't go by myself, and I said, Jean, I said, uh, was there any wind? I don't want to ever accuse somebody of something, you know. And she said, there was no wind. She said, it was so hot underneath there, we were burning up. There was no wind. So when I got ready to leave, I said goodbye to all the girls, even her. 
I said, goodbye, Mary Ann. I hope this, you know, year you have, you know, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And she, all the other girls was off by themselves, and she was, or she was off by herself, and all the other girls was in a little group. And she leaned over like this, and she said, you're just as pretty now as you was in school. That freaked me out. Now it did. It, it made me sick to my stomach. Because see, the devil, he wanted to make me feel like that. He wanted to make me feel cheap. He wanted to make me feel icky, you know, because I'd had a great time. I'd had the best time of my life that day, really. And But you know what? I didn't let it get to me. I did not. I considered the source. I thought, devil, you're not going to get me to say something nasty and mean and then she'll put something on face. I, I just said, I'm not going to do it. So I said, thank you. Turned around, walked away. Yeah. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'm closing. God says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Or to give you a plan. You know, a plan for your life. God has a blueprint laid out with your life. And when you fulfill that one page of that blueprint, he just turns it to another. You fulfill that, he turns it to another. So listen, it never stops until we die and go to be with Jesus, you know? And then he's got work for us to do too. <laughs> but <clears throat> just like he did for me, I would have never, ever thought I would have been a pastor's wife. In fact, I cried, or a pastor, I cried when Pete told me he was going to be a pastor, I sat and cried for a week because I did, I'd been a pastor's kid, you know, because Dad had went more full-time after he got electrocuted. And uh, he went full, more full-time in the ministry, you know, going here and going there. So I was on a pew every night. And I didn't want to be a pastor and didn't want to be a pastor's wife, neither one. So, but anyway, God has a plan for all of us. And you might say, well, if he's got a plan for me, why, am I, why did I have to go through all this stuff in school? And why am I going through whatever you're going through now? Because I can believe people still go through different things like that. It's the devil beating you in the brain, you know. And uh, if God loves me and I'm so special, then why doesn't he help me like he did Gideon? Well, he's helping you tonight. He's, help, he's letting you hear a message or a little testimony that should change the way you think about yourself. Because you're really not like the devil's telling you. You're not. Not at all. Now, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings. Don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. Because if we dwell on that, we're going to be nothing. We're not going to do anything for God. Don't be concerned about public opinion. Don't be concerned about what others think about you. That's right. Absolutely. Or really what you think about yourself. Listen. I was in church one day, standing back there shaking hands in the other church, and I, I, this guy comes up to me and he said, you look horrible in red. Don't ever wear red again. And I went home. Now, this is when I was young in the Lord. And I went home crying. I said, Pete, oh, you know, I, he, he don't like me in red. I look ugly in red. He said, fellas, you know how he's tough. He's tough. He is. He's tough on me. But I like it. I'm not opposed to it. And he said, Phyllis, he said, you got to be like a duck. You know how the duck has water and it just rolls off their back? 
I said, yeah. He said, if you're going to be a pastor, you got to let it roll off your back. From that time on, I never let anything, nothing bother me, nothing. But know this, only worry about pleasing God. Don't worry about pleasing man. Don't worry about pleasing the world. God has great things in store for you. I promise you, each and every person in here, he has great things in store for you. You wouldn't be here today if he didn't have a plan for your life because God loves you and has faith in you knowing that you can fulfill the plan he's called you to fulfill. Now, I was just kind of meditating, talking to God, whatever. I mean, I wasn't really talking to God, just meditating. And I believe that tonight, so that I don't embarrass anybody, I don't want anybody to stand up that felt that same way that I did. I want you all to stand up. That way it doesn't embarrass anyone. All of us, stand up. Yep, because I'm going to pray. And if you will use your faith, I believe, seriously, if you'll use your faith, I believe God will heal you of your past. I don't know what some of you, you know, some of you could have been raped, abused, all these things, beaten, all these things, major things, major things. And you think less of yourself because of it, or I, I could have prevented it, or whatever you think. You know, whatever the devil lies and tells you, you know. But I tell you what, God loves you, and he's going to help you to, to come to your expected end. And I'm going to pray for you now, and if you'll use your faith and say, God, I, when the devil comes to my mind about whatever it is that's bothering you, and you just say, devil, I ain't listening to you. I'm not listening to you. And then you don't. You just turn him off. Go quote a scripture. Go pray. Go read, read something out of the Bible. Go talk to your husband or wife. Whatever it is. Okay? So we're going to pray. And I believe if you use your faith, God's going to deliver you tonight. All right. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, God, you see each and every person that you have created out here in this congregation. You see them. You know what they've been through. You know what they're dealing with in their mind and in their heart and in their body. God, you know what they're dealing with and what the, how the devil is lying to them and telling them things that aren't true about themselves. You know all these things. God, I ask for a miracle, a miracle in this situation to hit and touch every person in this congregation tonight that they will never deal with these thoughts. They'll never deal with any of this hurt and torment that is coming against their mind and their bodies. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask for a miracle, a miracle in the name of Jesus. And I know, God, that you're in the miracle business. And I, I ask you, Lord, to pierce each one of their hearts with the word of God. Let them know how special that you think they are and that they are. And Father, we thank you for that in 